0: Hello and welcome to the Forums podcast for Wednesday, the 29th of July. It's August next week. Guys, What the hell has the year gone? Joining me, assistant editor Steve Withers. See, be a thinker, not a stinker. Games editor Mark Buttwright. To me, it's Thursday. <laughs> and audio reviewer
1: Ed Selly. Adrian! <laughs> that was sloth.
2: <laughs> I thought Thank it was you. chewy. <laughs> I enunciated the
0: deal and all. Uh, right, uh, welcome back to the AV Forums podcast. Um, let's hope it's not um, all like this all the way through. Before we get started, let's see what we can win. Mark?
1: Yep, we have got uh, EE 4G Action Cam, courtesy of Scan, and that one ends on the 3rd of August, so not long now. And also, courtesy of Scan, a Thermaltake PC Gaming Bundle, and that one will run till
0: 31st of August. Okay. And if you are a big projection fan, and we have looked at this, and Steve absolutely loved it, the Epson LS10,000 laser projector, Ideal AV, who are on the forums, regulars on the forums there, they are holding a showcase of this projector on the 22nd and 23rd of August. So if you are interested in seeing that and you're up by Ideal AV, then why not pop along and... Go and have a look at it and then let us know what you think because Steve uh, it kind of knocked it out of the park when it came in for review.
3: Yeah, I it did. It's a laser projector, so you've got uh, bright, accurate images that have got a long life, you know, 30,000 hours, uh, deep blacks, um, 4K wobulation, uh, so upscaling a bit like JVC, and uh, I was really impressed with it. Uh, a lovely projector. So, yeah, go along and check it out. Check out the future of projection laser. That's the way forward. Fricking lasers.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're just missing the sharks. That's the only thing. And um... <laughs> If you want the full details of everything that's happening there, because it's not just the LS 10,000, there are um, other products being shown at that event, uh, GL Audio, OPPO, and a couple of other things. Head along to the Shows and Events forum, and uh, the thread is in there. It's uh, entitled Ideal AVs Epson Showcase. All right, so let's move on with hardware news, and uh, YouTube and Netflix are driving broadband traffic. Now, this kind of... Follows on from what we were discussing last week, guys. Um, So, Steve, why don't you give us the gist of what this is all about?
3: Well, basically, they were saying, and I suppose this doesn't come as a massive surprise, but the majority of broadband traffic is now video, um, specifically YouTube and Netflix, um, driven by the fact that, A, broadband speeds are much faster, compression is much better, and people are using their mobile devices to watch video more and more often. Um, Yeah, you're you're getting more and more, basically the majority, I think, did they get a percentage of how much of it was? No, they don't. But the majority of broadband um, usage relates to video, and specifically Netflix and YouTube. And that wouldn't surprise me at all because if I looked at my broadband usage, yeah, that about sums it up. The the I mean, I guess also because video is you know heavy in terms of the amount of um, content you're yeah, the size of the files that you're downloading or the content you're streaming doesn't surprise me in that sense either. But certainly if I look at what I do, I mean apart from working on <laughs> online, watching now TV and watching Netflix, watching Amazon Instant. The, and YouTube, those are the ones that really do use but, it most how, of my broadband connection. But how
0: do you manage that on the connection that you've got? Um, I, I,
3: I'm not too bad now. I'm getting a, a steady six six megabytes a second at the moment, I think, Ooh. reasonably, which is pretty good for out here in the sticks. Uh, and um, I, I will test it. I'll tell you what, I, something occurred to me. I was watching, um, what was I watching? A Monsters Dark Continent. Not a great film, I have to say. I was watching it on um I also watched a film, uh, Sabotage, the Arnie Schwarzenegger film. I was watching them on Netflix on that massive 75-inch Sony TV, the um, the X94C. And I was thinking, you know what? The compression on Netflix is really good because it looked excellent. It Really, apart from in some of the darker stuff, like in some nighttime shots where you could see a bit of blocking and and a bit of banding. But generally, um, the picture was stunning on that TV. uh, And that's with my crappy connection. So hats off to Netflix and the other streaming services for... um, being able to deliver such, such incredible picture quality, even over a, a very limited broadband connection.
0: You surprised me, this Ed. Not really. Um, I mean, actually, as, as yesterday,
2: as I posted, only partly in jest on my Twitter feed. Um, yesterday, I don't know uh, if it was the same everywhere, but whether yesterday was dreadful, um, trying to entertain a uh, sub two-year-old under those conditions, I found to my delight that someone had very carefully. Piece together all of the episodes of season one of Tom, Thomas the Tank Engine into a single two hour two and a half hour YouTube video <laughs> Thanks very much. Piece
1: Brilliant. them together because you know it has to be in a, a linear fashion, otherwise you can't can't hold you, on you to don't the
2: plot. To, you don't want to lose any of the
1: plot twists. I, I promise you
2: that. Um, it was but no, it was more specific more that Mark, I don't have to queue them all up. I can just leave it to just roll for two and a half hours. Oh, that's, that's fantastic for a point. child. Um so uh, no, that that you know YouTube was uh, was 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 saving the day yesterday. And um, although actually I watch less Netflix than I think I used to. My wife is still watching a great deal. Um, and equally, you know, if further, I mean, looking at the article that's going on about just other sources of on-demand viewing, the amount of stuff I'm watching via the Sky on-demand widget rather than live or even recorded onto the uh, the box's hard drive. Um, is it is, is extremely high so yeah it's 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 going to be a, a major driver for traffic
1: unsurprisingly most most of my traffic are files downloaded in terms of games um i think in the past few days i've probably downloaded best part of about i don't know 30 gig uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah I'm, I'm not surprised though that for for most people it is video as, as ed was saying you know when a with regards to kids, you can park a kid in front of a laptop or a tablet or something like that now, and it's it's very easy. I kind of park my nephew in front of stuff like Monster Machines, and so it is always nice when someone does bother to actually tie together an entire series. But, you know, everything's, everything's network-connected now, and everything has the ability seemingly to play, you know, your main apps, your YouTube and your Netflix and things and Amazon and stuff like that. So, yeah, it just seems like, yeah, this is pretty much where you'd expect most of the traffic to be
0: i'm surprised that none of the free porn video sites are mentioned here <laughs> is that like
3: the dark net is that we don't mention that but that must be a big factor well, you,
0: <laughs> you've got to think that you know every technology that there's ever been that's that's the first industry to really sort of take hold yeah, of it yeah, and, and you, test it out and check that it all works and and, and nowadays, like, I think it was you that told me this, Stevie. You don't have to look far nowadays for porn, do you? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. What did I say? Oh, it was Some conversation we we're having. No,
3: I think the thing is, though, yes, I'm sure lots of people do use the internet to access pornography. However, I don't think they do it for very long. I don't think watching porn is <laughs> a long... You don't, you don't spend two hours watching it, do you? Five minutes is usually enough for me. yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, so yeah, I, I think probably it's, it might be used for that on a regular basis, but I don't think it's used for long periods. I hope not anyway. It's certainly is good for your health healthy you're watching that for, for hours and hours and hours climbing. I mean, I, mean, I wouldn't mind if it was good acting and storylines and plots and production values, but these days, you don't get any of that. So...
1: Who's saying, oh, production yeah, I, what's values? the rest Put, of it now? <laughs> what do you mean, these
3: days? <laughs> no, with in the 70s and the, sort of the classic heyday of the... Of this, what, the or 70s, no, stuff, films. Oh,
2: I've, I've come to fix your washing machine. I don't <laughs> yeah, have a exactly. washing machine. Bang, 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 <laughs> um, bang, So, but no, I, I would just, dis- without dra- dragging this further into the gutter than it already is, I would disagree firmly with you on production values, but otherwise, yes, plot. No, there is no plot anymore.
3: Well, you mean production values have got better? Yes. Because I suppose you're right. It depends.
2: It depends. Essentially, it breaks down into two categories now, doesn't it? And actually, this mirrors in so many ways... If you say, but, if what going dragging this back to what Phil was saying about the impact that the porn and adult material has on, on the, it now breaks down it so you've got sort of stuff which is shot for a sense of gritty realism, although gonzo stuff, yeah, yeah, gonzo, and and you know, as as is some 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 sort of you know, TV drama material, and other stuff which is, I mean, there is there's 4K pornography out there,
3: yeah, I don't think. Pornography really should be seen in four K resolution. Most well, they those said girls, that, about, they said that
2: about high def, didn't they? And it, <laughs> nonetheless, it lurched. It, it lurched into the brave world of high def again, very early and very enthusiastically. The, the,
0: you know, the the thing that annoys me is, you know, if you're going to use a mobile phone, landscape, people, landscape. Yeah, God. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. I'll take so can point. they track that data though?
2: <laughs> uh, well, I can imagine yes, but none of them care unduly
3: i should imagine these days mark they know everything you're up to certainly amazon seem to know everything i'm up to i've only got to look at something online and suddenly they start trying to sell it to me very clever <laughs> don't know how they do it but they should probably i think it must be attached to the nsa or something like that these days i
1: well, just... they had that idea for starting preempting deliveries before you've ordered
3: <laughs> that was real well they would preempt you on the assumption you were going to order something well in ed's case that might well be the case
1: but uh... well the idea was you know in simple terms, if you've ordered say every album from a particular band through Amazon, then when you know the latest album comes out, they'd ship it to one of the local delivery centres. Right. Okay. Preempting the idea that you would be ordering through them.
0: Uh, see, I guess that makes sense. I mean, if you're going and looking at something five, six times. Um, yeah, I mean, all and- that's
2: fine. I mean, I, I promise you, Amazon would never be able to preempt my my drunken online purchases. <laughs> there is just yeah. a, no algorithm on earth. That would be able to keep up with that not least because i don't understand the process by which i do them so i don't, I don't see why anyone else should be able to
0: ed just just a bit of advice if you don't want people to know you're, you're a piss head don't have those things where you've achieved a level in some app or whatever because last night it was one after the other after the other after the
2: other. actually i was checking in stuff from the night before because i didn't do them in real time <laughs>
0: I've I've just brought it up on the thing, and it's one, two, three, four, five achievements. Well done. <laughs> Term yeah.
1: achievement is fairly loose there, I think.
0: <laughs> and using the Untapped app as untapped, well. So untapped, yeah, go. <laughs> yeah.
1: God Save the
2: Queen, level 26. Weekday warrior. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lagerjack, level five. And then, as I said, that little update into my Sliding to Alcoholism brought to you by the Untapped app, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
0: I did have a chuckle and I saw that coming up last night, because that was about midnight as well. It was quite late on, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> as I say, I was
2: just—I uh, actually putting stuff in from, uh, from, from from the past couple of
0: days. Anyway, Steve, what will we learn from this subject? We watch a lot of video online these days,
2: I think. <laughs> I'm glad you said video. <laughs> yeah.
3: All forms of entertainment, I feel, is
0: watched. Both the adult
2: and the more pure It's a broad church. Exactly. Thomas the Tank Engine, all the way through to stuff that makes your eyes bleed.
0: Uh, right. So, anyway interesting it follows on from what we were talking about uh, last week and i'm sure we're going to discuss this uh, more and more as we get uh, further into uh, 4k ultra hd future and high-res streaming of audio and all the rest of it uh, it's a subject we're going to keep coming back to so let's move on to the cinema now apart from steve <laughs> i think <laughs> the, i think the other three on this podcast very really go to the cinema and i have to say For many years, it was the thing that stopped me, other than other people, Ed, was presentation. Um, When I think back to, certainly, the golden age of cinema for me, which would have been late 80s, 90s, um, you could guarantee it go along to the big screen, well, the big screen that I used to always go to was Screen 11 at the UCI. Uh, It was the biggest screen, it was 300 odd seats, huge uh, sound system in there, it always sounded great, always looked great and you always got the Dolby trailer, either the Egypt or the locomotive or one of those trailers running before it. Um, you also got the THX trailer because it was THX certified. There wasn't that many adverts and it was it was a bit of an event, it was a bit of a presentation. I remember in 97 going along and, and watching uh, A New Hope on that screen, uh, watched it on that screen and then went to the next biggest screen and watched it again. Have cinemas lost the presentation? Side of things, is it now more about seven yard adverts and not really caring about picture quality?
2: I don't know, yes and no. Because here in Milton Keynes, uh, we obviously don't have uh soul or character uh, or history, <laughs> but we have got uh lots of room, and so we've now uh, uh, the old Odeon, uh, which was a uh, if you if you were into the sort of flea pit sort of uh aura of classic cinema, it was undoubtedly one of those, um. That's closed down. They've they've opened up a new um, IMAX Atmos. You name it; it ticks all those boxes. And uh, obviously, as you know, I've not gone anywhere near it because it's a cinema. But um, my 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 brother-in-law, a number of other people have been, and there's all of the things you said. It is. Big auditoriums capable of serious sound pressure levels, cracking images. It is undoubtedly extremely cinematic. I do agree with you that there was a phase where cinemas were being built and it was basically just sort of 25 lounges or, or rooms only fractionally <laughs> yeah, bigger than yeah. that. And they just, yeah, as you say, there wasn't much in the way of... of of sort of, you know, cinematic mystique to that. But that seems to be something that they're, you know, growing out of now. And I think that's kind of admirable.
0: Just before digital came along, I had some of the worst experiences of going to the cinema anywhere. Um and it it seemed to be like the five films I went to see in a row, all five were bad experiences. Either the masking didn't open and it was being projected over the masking. So it was a two three five film but it was masked at one eight five and you know, by, by the time you get up and you go and complain and then you come back and then they find somebody to go and fix Because it's all automated now, so they find somebody mm-hmm. to go and fix it and all the rest of it. I've been in movies where it's been projected on the ceiling.
3: <laughs> that that takes some <laughs> achievement, doesn't it? How the hell
0: do they manage that? <laughs> no idea. But, but again, because what happened was they started moving to automation. So uh, if there was three, this this was still in the days of film. But if there were three uh, screens showing the same thing, what they used to do was loop the film through one projector, then it went off on a loop down to the other end of the, the aisle, looped through another projector, then went all the way back down to another side of the room and then looped through a third projector and then went back to the big table where the film was. <laughs> and it was all automated. So it all started, it started when it was supposed to start and it just ran and occasionally somebody would come along and make sure it was in focus. So you had all these things going wrong and I lost faith in it and, and stopped going. For a long time I stopped going to the cinema because of the presentation. Mark, you ever had that?
1: Um, no, no, I, I've got to say I don't think I've ever had a problem with with the presentation there. It, my issue is more just that the experience of kind of draining, the draining experience of sitting through the the adverts, previews, that kind of thing just tends to kind of it, I've, I've, it kills my enthusiasm by the time the film started I'm afraid.
3: Yeah, I've got you can avoid that, that Mark, just um... Basically, you I could, know from going to cinema a lot that it's 20 to 25 minutes of shit before the film starts, basically. You can guarantee no, that's the minimum amount. So just turn up five minutes, you know, 20 but, minutes after this start time. and you're. But gonna here's the thing, crap,
1: which is if you want a kind of prime time to go and see something, um, you know, a time that's, that's nice and convenient for you, then it's going to be a time when there will be other people there, in which case if you turn up five minutes beforehand, you'll get a poor seat.
2: It depends. You can do an online. Oh, I'm book, talking about online
3: booking
1: where
0: you can select get seat, a seat reservation so... and then
1: yeah, just just rock in. No, uh, yeah, it's like that. that?
0: Mark, don't you know anything these days? Jesus.
1: No, I'll tell you what annoyed me last time. I I went there. I paid at one of these automated machines. When You say last,
0: last time? When was this?
1: This was 2004. No, it was it was about a year or so back. And then then I paid on one of the automated machines outside, and I felt like just a grander staring at this thing <laughs> just like what take my money please and then it, you know one was at a smaller height and i thought it was for children or something but then why would they have credit cards i you know it was a confusing <laughs> it event
3: wheelchairs that's what that's for you idiot oh
1: right yeah 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 i knew that <laughs> it, uh, but then I, I buy the ticket i go in you know five minutes beforehand and no one checked it for me and i just thought right i've just burnt a fiver there be so lucky that it's just a fiver no that was a said t- that was a cheap one because that was like first thing on a Monday morning, <laughs> so you know uh the unemployment
2: special yeah <laughs> it,
1: it, it the funny thing is it's really hard to get in the the mood for a film then you know people go at prime times people go kind of of an evening that just seems to be when it's more conducive to watching a film. It seems weird watching a film when it's so bright outside and it, you've just had a bowl of cereal <laughs> i think that covers the the subject quite well (laughs) first world problems ladies and gentlemen
0: yeah um i've got to say the the last time i went to the cinema things have improved immensely i mean they've built a new one near me i'm saying a new one has been about five years now but it has big imax it has all the all the screens are digital it has digital 3d screens it has screens where you can take alcohol in and Um, It's got screens with bars at the back of the room and all that kind of thing. I mean, all the modern stuff, it's got the D-box chairs that move if you want that and premium chairs and all the rest. I have to say, it has improved immensely. I mean, the only only downside I've ever had at the new place was uh, I went to see James Bond on opening day, uh, Skyfall, and we had to wait on the file finishing downloading. Um, to the projector. That was
3: really cutting it fine then, wasn't it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the guy had to come in twice. It, 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 it's still downloading, but it's nearly there. It's nearly there. We're, we're nearly ready to go. You, start, well, you, to my you turn connection. your
2: porn off at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on, um, has anyone
3: actually been to the cinema this year, apart from me? No. <laughs> Phil? No. no. So, okay, right. Okay, well, speaking as the only person who actually goes to the cinema and the only person who probably remembers the glory days of the 70s, uh, things, in terms of presentation, things are immeasurably better than what they used to be. I mean, now you get a pristine digital projection, um, whereas before you'd got a crappy print that had been around America four times before it even got to the UK, six months after the film had opened the States, and it was scratched to buggery and, and it was awful. And obviously, I can remember going to the cinema when it was in mono, uh, so, you know, I was sat there last night watching um, Inside Out and Southpaw and thinking, actually sat there thinking, this looks really good. You know, the projection quality was superb. Obviously, you mentioned it, Phil, it's automated now. So when something goes wrong, that's when it get, that's when there's a problem because there's no projections anymore to sort the problem out or to keep an eye on things and make sure it's all, all working the way it should be. But when it does work properly, um, it looks great. I mean, it was only a 2K projection last night that I was watching and I thought that looks really nice. Um, you know, uh, detailed, um, no banding, you know, um, low compression artifacts and and um, really wide uh, color gamut, DCI color gamut. I thought this looks superb.
0: I've got to say digital projection these days is absolutely. I mean, I remember the first digital projector. I don't know if you had that experience as well with Toy Story. I went Toy Story 2
3: yeah. in, in Leicester Square. Yeah, yeah, I was there in 99, was it?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. that was it. Um, yeah. we, we, we did the special Newcastle <laughs> down on the train to see it at the West End. Um, and it was disappointing. The projection technology back then wasn't very good.
3: It was a DLP, wasn't it? I remember explaining yep. how DLP worked to my friend. And he just looked at me like, millions of tiny little mirrors. He, thought, he just thought I was taking the piss as <laughs> I was explaining this to him. He just thought, you're, you're joking, aren't you? Little, millions of little tiny mirrors. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Millions of little tiny mirrors. That's how this <laughs> works. I, mean, I remember thinking it looked uh, okay at the time. I mean, I had no point of reference, really, other than... Well, uh, the, you, had, you, had, you had film.
0: But, um... Yeah, but this was, a,
3: it was Toy Story 2, so it was CG anyway.
0: Yeah, I I just remember the edges being really rough and and yeah, really low animation to a degree as well, low low resolution as well. You know, and and I thought, oh, this is going to take a while to catch on, because that was back in the days of CRT projection at home as well. So you know, Mm -hmm. even then you were used to some degree of quality, especially black levels and so on. But um, but what yeah, what have me last night. Mind was...
2: hanging something the size of a Mini Cooper from your ceiling,
0: <laughs> and then sitting under it, Ed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had a Barco Barco Graphics 808 sitting right above my head, and um, <laughs>
3: be, honestly, believe it, if it had fallen off and killed you, it'd be like, "It's okay." That's how he would have wanted to go, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you
3: probably almost, wouldn't have almost. suffered. And they but, could have buried you in it as well. So,
0: but, but then that, that, I think that was the way to do it because Stuart, and I hope Stuart doesn't mind me mentioning this, he had a twelve o nine sitting on the floor under a coffee table and it took up a huge amount of space on the floor. Um, but then it's safer than sitting under it, hanging above you. So. Well, it
2: is and it isn't. If I had a projector on, on, at ground level in this house, it would just have, you know, crumpets and, and, and other miscellaneous goo just smeared over all of the, all of the projecting surfaces from, uh, <laughs> from the boy.
0: Yeah, there is that side as well, but uh, yeah, it was a gamble. It was a gamble you took, Ed, and uh, you know that subwoofer control was very important in those days. <laughs>
2: This is beginning to sound like an AV version of a song by LCD Sound System called Losing My Edge, <laughs> which I would strongly urge, if you haven't listened to it, to, 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 to have a quick listen on the music streaming service of your choice. I'm not bothered. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, it's exactly the same sort of things that we're talking about, but just with music.
0: So, yeah. 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 Um- Yeah, I've got to say, uh, in terms of presentation, I think things have moved on a long way. But I I do miss things like the old trailers that used to appear at the start, you know, the sound trailers and this is presented And And I've got to say, one of the the best experiences I ever had in a cinema was in the States. Um, No adverts. No adverts before the before the show. Yeah, like, no, that's really good. Although I understand it's now changing. Having spoken to the guys at THX recently, and and uh, on about the trailer being shown and stuff, it, it's now a lot of cinema owners are now selling the space uh, before or the time before the film starts yeah. now. So, which is it, why they won't
3: show the THX trailer because it's, it's money. It's costing yeah, them basically. Yeah, yeah. I think we mentioned it last week, but if you can, and not everyone can do this, obviously, but if you're in a position to actually install a projection screen and a projector, do it. Because, there's, honestly, there is nothing better than a yeah, big image. Yeah, and if you, can, image.
0: if you can black the room out as well, yeah. as much as possible, and you switch the light off and all you're left with is the image and the sound, mm-hmm. nothing compares. I don't yeah, and then, I don't then
3: know. you really are starting to see something that is comparable to going to the movies, yeah, uh, to a commercial cinema. So, yep. hmm.
0: Okay, I think we've, uh, we've put the world to rights on lots of things <laughs> in that section. Yeah. <laughs> um, Uh, so let's move on to boring games news next
1: after a two week (laughs) absence actually to be honest there is bugger all about
0: right Mark um, uh, you've got to do this in the voice of Hodge (laughs) (laughs) no uh, I don't know if you were listening while while you were away but um, we all had goes at trying to be you Under the Games News. But you're back, so you can be you and tell us what's happening in Games News.
1: I'm afraid I've missed that, but I shall be checking those out. Yep, not a great deal going on at the moment. However, one little kind of interesting thing caught my eye this morning, which was Candy Crush is apparently the nation's favourite game. Uh, this is according What to is
0: you-
3: Candy Crush? i never played
0: it. I, I, I can believe that because yeah, I gave my mum... Two years ago, I gave her a, a, an iPad for Christmas and um, I've been checking up how she's been using it and what she's been using it for. And my mum's in her 60s. Candy Crush and Facebook. What is it? What is a Candy Crush? though? Like, it's sort
2: it? of a block-breaking game, basically, yeah. for want of a yeah. better description. Put them in a line, they disappear. It's like Tetris. Well, they don't... They, it's kind, kind of,
0: of. Kind of. <clears throat> Let's let's just say it is, just so we can move this conversation on. <laughs> it, it's a simple, brightly coloured puzzle game for touch
1: devices. Simple, developers. brightly coloured people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you saying about my mum? That she's brightly coloured.
1: But she, you know, she fits in with the market. It, this apparently, uh, women and older gamers largely kind of swung this vote, um, and women were only forty-one percent of those surveyed. Um, it's a it's a slightly misleading headline in the fact that I'm not fully sure how you quantify something as the nation's favorite game because they say the score combines the percentage of uh, past or present gamers who like each game at all with the percentage who like it most, which kind of seems a little bit like the kind of you know the AV of the this kind of.
0: So is it is it favorite game or is it most played game?
1: It's a. Per- a combined percentage of those who like the game and those who like it most. So therefore, you're always going to get the one that is most ubiquitous, I would argue, come out on top and something like Candy Crush, which, you know, most people, you know, if they played it, they will say, yeah, I like it because, you know, it's a well worked little puzzle game. Um, you know, though I, you know, I, I do question the validity of anything that has Zelda in last place, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> so <is> it alphabetical. <laughs> no, no, no. Total only three point one percent put Zelda. Um, Candy Crush was very much skewed towards um, women. Only three point four percent of men put it put it down as as the best game. Uh, women was twenty four percent. That's because I would
2: actually instantly disown any male friend of mine I knew that said that Candy Crush was the greatest game of all time.
1: I was going to say that they have to get through that barrier of saying that, you know, of admitting that to themselves.
2: And there sh- I'm sorry that people thinking, oh, it's horrible that there's a stigma. I'm sorry, there should be a stigma about this. Let's not beat around the bush. You know, that's just unacceptable. Utterly unacceptable.
1: But it was also older gamers. There was a massive kind of disparity between first and second place with regards to older, gamers, older gamers 60 plus older gamers 60 plus I'm talking the oldest age bracket in this um, poll 33 uh, percent went for candy crush compared to only 11 percent for the second but bear in mind that the second choice was still Tetris that kind of you know tells you where where their allegiances lie there you know um there was also some some interesting stuff about the console wars, which was better, the Mega Drive or the snares and stuff like that. Um, but it, it did kind of underline just how ubiquitous something like Candy Crushes and just you know for a game that, or King, the, the makers valued at four point two billion pounds in 2014. Um, yeah, you know, well, I mean, we were talking about kind of consumption of things like um, you know video streaming. And it's because the apps are ubiquitous. They're they're on everything. Something like Candy Crush. If you buy a phone, you buy a tablet. It's you know virtually always towards the top of the most downloaded list. And what do people do when they when they get something, a new smart device or something like that? They go towards you know the Play Store or you know onto um, the iTunes Store or something, and they see what's in you know the top five, the top ten of anything. And Candy Crush will always be there, seemingly.
2: Yeah, but they did say that about Farmville as well.
0: What was the one with a goat as well? Did that actually become popular or was it just a big joke?
2: Oh, what, Goat Simulator. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> different again though, isn't it? That's, a, that's, that's just a, a, a sort of meme that got firmly out of hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got a piece of games news, if I, uh, if I may. Because uh, I, I, it probably would have been better last week when actually there wasn't any real games news. But um, last Wednesday... Uh, was in fact, and I didn't realize this until sort of twitter got got all nostalgic. It so was the thirtieth anniversary of the first Commodore Amiga, which made me feel both nostalgic and incredibly old.
3: You feel old,
2: yeah, well, you know it's all relative. <laughs> You know, I haven't started the process of fossilising yet like you, Steve, so my organic tissue feels it yeah. all the more. Yeah, I, I, um,
0: like, I like that new photograph on Facebook where you can't actually see your face, Steve. It's in shadow. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> That's the way forward. of sunglasses, a hat, and shadow. Are you High going for the boy,
2: the boy George approach to having your photos taken? The next time I'm going to see you, you're going to paint painted your own neck black. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are we finished with Games News then? Yeah, I think that
1: will do for Games
0: News. <laughs> right, Steve, what's at the cinema? Uh,
3: this weekend, Phil, I saw Inside Out, the new Pixar movie, and also saw Southpaw, which is the new Jake Gyllenhaal movie where he plays a boxer. Uh, Inside Out, absolutely brilliant. Um, I think Pixar... Have- made a few duffers of late, but this is a return to form for them. It's, uh, it has all, all the things that Pixar do well. So, you know, there's emotion in there, there's, there's laughs, there's an interesting story, there's great characters, there's, um, there's incredible levels of imagination. The, uh, I mean, the concept is that basically uh, what you're seeing is inside this little girl's head, the various emotions that control her. five specific emotions. So there's joy, anger, uh, fear, sadness, and disgust. Um, and then, um, but what they do really cleverly is they sort of, they also tie into actual the way the mind really does work. So there's sort of short-term memories. And when you sleep at night, those memories are moved into long-term memories. And then obviously certain memories fade. Some of the memories are core memories that actually establish your personality. Other memories, you know, gradually get chucked away and and, and, as they, and then a little globe. So you can see the action happening inside the little globe. And then as it begins to fade, so the, the image becomes black and white and CPU and the audio goes and it's quite clever. And then eventually just comes dust and disappears and that memory's lost forever they had a thing called a th- the, the, the thought train which is literally a train going around in her mind with thoughts on it which was really good uh, there's a bit where they go into imagination and abstract thought and abstract thought was really clever i mean really really works in 3d because they, obviously the characters are in 3d and they become for abstract like cubist images like um like picasso then they become 2d uh, and uh like things like that it was just very imaginative the things that pixar do well it was bursting with this this creativity um, sometimes and it also works on level so kids were loving it in the cinema but i think adults also get a lot out of it too there's some quite good jokes and they were aimed specifically at adults um, and yeah it, it, so it was just one of those movies that that nails everything that pixar do well and um, it was good to see them back on top form again i thought it was absolutely superb um and it's been a big hit to at the, at the box office which is good to see in the states and worldwide and uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So if you're going to see um, a film with the kids or even on your own, go and see Inside Out. It's brilliant. Southpaw I did enjoy as well, but um, it basically it's Rocky. It's Rocky um, modern modern take on Rocky. And no boxing cliches left unturned. Um, the fight scenes are really good, um, but you know you know how it's going to end. It basically involves a championship boxer and world champion boxer who loses everything in a you know, tragedy, and then has to sort of fight his way back to the top again. And um, there's you know, there's the, um, um, the sort of the the aging um, trainer who you know with wisdom played by Forrest Whitaker who's really good in it. The cast are actually very good. The performances are great. Jake Gyllenhaal really buffed up for his part as a boxer looks the part definitely. Um, the girl who plays his daughter is very good in it. Um, yeah, it's it's it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's it's a classic sporting boxing movie. Is there a
0: is there montage?
3: What, is there a training montage?
0: Yeah, it has to be a training <laughs> montage or it's yeah, not. It is. Box- there yeah. is a training montage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> was a
3: training montage. I think to an Eminem song as well. Uh, who I think at one point, I think at one point this was written. Uh, I don't think I said it was as a boxing movie, but as a sequel to Eight Mile, and then it was going to be a boxing film. And 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 um, Eminem, who is left-handed, was going to play the lead, and then he fell out of it, and um, Jen How came on board. But he did do some songs for the soundtrack. Uh, yeah, no, trust me, it's it's basically Rocky. except although I did realize we were talking about it last week. Um, it dawned on me at the end of the film. That's another example of a film. Rocky, he doesn't win at the end. <laughs> because it's not about winning for Rocky. It's just about going the distance. Um, in, this, in this case, well, you can guess how it's going to end. Um, but uh, but it, it's fun. Uh, I, I do like a good boxing movie, and the boxing is really well done. I mean, it looked quite brutal, actually. Um, and, yeah, so two, two enjoyable films, one of which I think borders on being a masterpiece, um, uh, the other one of which is, is a, a cliché but enjoyable um,
2: boxing the movie. I don't know. I mean, Steve's, Steve's comments about Inside Out echo everyone's, I've heard, except my wife, who said it was all right, nothing to get excited about. But I don't quite know what my wife is looking for in a Pixar film, so meh. But yeah, it, it does seem, after a number of, um, she did say it's one of the first Pixar films in a while, where there's actually any sort of depth and quality to a female character.
3: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because um, the main yeah. character, Joy, is female. I mean, it, it cheats a little bit because in the uh, father's head, they're all male emotions, male, the male voices for the emotions. And in the mother's head, they're all female voices. In the uh, kid's head, there's a multitude of vo- um, both male and female. But the main character is a female voice. Um, I think it's Amy Poehler as the voice, is, um, is, is the main character of Joy. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I think the character that everyone, all the kids I know loved was sadness, but believe it or not, she's quite cute. And, and, and also what's important in the film is that they introduced some very deep subjects, like the reason that you, you can't be happy all the time. You, the sadness is important, you know, that you have to be in order to appreciate the good times, you have to, have to, to understand the bad times and, and to be unhappy at times. And even through unhappiness, you can find happiness in, in a strange way and, and you have to grow up and some memories have to be lost. And as you grow up, you change, and your personality changes, and you do forget things. And it's important that you forget things. Again, it's an important part of development. So there's some really heavy subjects in amongst this, and this is what I think makes it such a great film because it covers very heavy topics, but in a way that children can 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 appreciate, and also so can adults. And like I said, there's also some really imaginative scenes in it. I think there are moments that are so good it carries the rest of the film. Sometimes maybe your wife's right to a certain extent Ed, that um, elements of it are so good they, they carry elements of the film that aren't so good and that's what i call the up effect because if you watch the film up i think the critical acclaim that film got was mostly based upon that 10 minute montage at the beginning where they show the whole of his life well, just designed, designed to turn heartbreakingly turn brilliant s-
2: same people into just sh- drooling wrecks yeah, of that sequence yeah.
3: it's absolutely brilliant and i was in the cinema when i saw that up and 10 minutes into the film and the whole cinema is crying their yeah. eyes out and i'm thinking <laughs> this is going to be a tough uh, we good to go then. The um, <laughs> rest of the film, I don't think, is that good. I think the last half of it, when they're stuck in the same place, and it doesn't make a lot of sense because that old guy's still alive. Why is he not dead? The explorer. Um, I, I didn't think that was very good. But that opening 10 minute montage carries that whole film. And so, to a certain extent, I can see what your my, wife means, Ed, which is that there are bits of um, Inside Out that are so good that they carry the rest of the film. And some bits of it may be a little bit boring. But uh, I still think that overall, it's, it's a real return to form for Pixar. And unfortunately, before it, there was a trailer for the next film, The Good Dinosaur, which looked rubbish. <laughs> so maybe it's a very brief blip. Sorry, was that The Good
1: Dinosaur?
3: The Good Dinosaur, yeah. The concept of which is that the asteroid misses the Earth and dinosaurs evolve.
2: Now, wasn't that covered rather at Super... Oh, well, I mean, well, that sounds like the plot of dinosaurs... Um, <laughs> Or indeed, it, it could be the setup to uh, a reboot of Theodore Rex. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, there might just be a career for Whoopi Goldberry after all. She, I'm, I'm, I think she'll be glad to know that you know you have to forget things to move on in life. Mark, <laughs> are you still here. Yeah,
1: I'm. am still here. Um, I'm honestly, I, I've kind of missed anything to do with um, these films other than Southpaw. Southpaw just looks to me cripplingly generic and i i I, it's the kind of sports film that i genuinely wonder how the actor manages to get in such shape supposedly you know they always say they've done six months training and everything when you think that it will be a fairly average film at the end of it with a story that's been told a thousand times before and it almost seems like a rite of passage for any actor under kind of about 40 now that they have to have done this type of film
3: I think um, it does actually score some points of originality in that in the scenes where he's it's between him and his daughter you know, and it was the the family drama aspect, which uh, you know is probably unusual in what would otherwise be a boxing sporting movie. I think that maybe gives it a slight difference, but ultimately it's still a boxing sporting movie with all the usual like like Phil said, the training montage and the, the fight at the end, you know, and, and it's, it, I mean, basically I, I, it, it is so. Did so it have a robot in it, terms like of Rocky its structure? 4? No, well, that would have been brilliant, no. though, wouldn't it? Um, no, but structurally, it's very, very similar to Rocky Four. And basically, it's the same kind of character. Now, he's kind of a bit punchy and um, and slurs a lot and, and very monosyllabic, just with a lot more swearing than there was in Rocky, if I remember. And a bit more bloody and brutal. And obviously, he's covered in tattoos because he's a modern boxer and stuff like that. But
1: Where's the story of the middle-class boxer who doesn't lose it all? Yeah, well, it does quite well. It means it's a couple it. who yes. retires. Couple Where, couple where's of the Oscar De La Hoya time. story? <laughs> <laughs> you know, does very well. Astute investments.
2: On, 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 a, on a boxing theme, I could watch um, uh, George Foreman, The Grill Years, <laughs> charting, know his, what? charting hit one man and his struggle to make a fat-reducing grilling machine.
1: The moment you know where what? he calls his fifth son, George. <laughs> <laughs> the moment, yeah, an, I mean,
2: they could set it to a sort of Hans Zimmer inception-level score. The first time he tilts the grill slightly so the fat drains off. That would be awesome.
0: Right, should we get back to the podcast? I, think, uh, I
2: suppose.
0: Uh, films opening this Friday probably got one of the the most overrated, overcovered stunts ever, but it's quite impressive. The new Mission Impossible. Yeah, Miss
3: Impossible, Miss, Mission Impossible, Mission <laughs> Impossible Rouge Nation. I think, that's what we're say. I do it in a Connery voice. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's a bit of a tongue twister. Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible.
0: I, I've got to say, every uh, every time I see Rogue now, I just think Rouge. <laughs>
3: But you're right, Phil, strapping him to the side of an aircraft and then taking off with him on the side is quite cool. <laughs> I'm not sure what Tom Cruise is trying to compensate for, but um, he doesn't mind doing some quite impressive stunts. Have I mean, you, have you was seen it the, in the last the... film where it was on the outside of the Burj Khalifa, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, have you seen his 22-year-old PA? Yes, he <laughs> looks a lot like Katie Holmes, I have to yes. say. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was what I thought.
3: Mission Impossible Rogue Nation is the fifth film and directed by Christopher McQuarrie, who previously made... Um, jack reacher with um cruise and i quite like the way that they use different directors for each of the films so they've all got their own personality and are quite different in terms of style um looks like it's going to be fun in the trailers and i shall go and see it at the weekend anybody else no i didn't think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I, i'm amazed at cruise I mean, he had a bit of a wobble a few years ago didn't he when there was some...
0: I, I don't know what it is everybody seems to have it in for him but i'll quite happily sit and watch a cruise film not a problem. I think, and I yeah. always find them entertaining. Even um, that one that everybody just didn't like—that he played the assassin. What do you call them? Oh, collateral. 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 Yeah. Okay, I quite like
2: collateral.
3: Yeah. Oh, it's a good film. I liked him mm. in that. I think he's done some really good stuff of late. It hasn't been particularly successful, but Edge of Tomorrow was really good. Yeah. Uh, I thought um, Oblivion was excellent.
2: Um, Vanilla Sky is
0: a bit is possibly, weird. I, I love Vanilla Sky. <laughs> I just really I, I like him as a filmmaker. Though. What do you call Cameron Crowe. Crow.
2: And um, I mean, I will say his uh, cameo in um, oh god, Tropic Thunder. That's Tropic Thunder.
0: Ben <laughs> Grossman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then and then his lap on uh, on the Top Gear track where he nearly flipped the car over.
2: Oh, he yeah. doesn't. He appears to have a death wish, but yeah. obviously he knows that he's going to whatever sort of happy place. Yeah, so planet, have, planet so. Zeta or something is it? Oh, Zenu.
3: Uh, Anyway, yeah, so this weekend, the big film, Mission Impossible, Rogue Rogue Nation, um, which I'm sure will be... You were about to
0: say
3: Rouge Nation. I was about to say Rouge Nation, yeah. Rogue Nation. Ed, you've broken all of us. (laughs) Speaking of successful films, as of this weekend, um, Jurassic World is now the most successful film of all time in America and worldwide, not directed by by James Cameron. Um, It just tipped tipped, um, past... Uh, Avengers as the biggest money I thought
0: you were going to see j- the dinosaur sunk Titanic. <laughs> no, 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 no. It hasn't
3: quite reached Titanic yet. Right, Steve, Blu-ray roundup. Quickly, we've got uh, while, we're, while We're Young, um, which I haven't seen, but I do quite fancy, actually. Um, Naomi Watts and Ben Stiller play an ageing couple who meet up with some young hipsters and sort of try and reclaim their youth. Uh, looks quite funny. I uh, wouldn't mind seeing that. Wildcard. Jason Statham action film, uh, which I think Cas um, reviewed... At the cinema, said it was pretty mediocre and he's a big Jason Statham fan so if he thought it was mediocre it must have been pretty poor. Seventh Son, which is another one of those lousy um, tween movies, you know, um, adult young adult fiction adaptations with a, um, an impossibly decent cast for something as rubbish as that including uh, Julianne Moore and um, um, Jeff Bridges. And finally, and this is something that I didn't know it was coming out, but I'm quite excited about it because it comes out this week. It's Quatermass. It's a 1979 ver- f- um, TV film they made, mini series with John, Her- uh, not John, Her- John, Mills as Quatermass, and uh, it was shot on 35mm. So they've done a, an HD restoration for this. I'm um, probably the only one who remembers this, or even remembers. higgledy um Ringstone Round. Does anyone remember it?
1: No, again, I what, would move no? them. It was a, it I, I remember was, the Quatermass films, but I don't remember this one.
3: This one was done, this was like done as a, a conclusion to the films, basically. It was written by Nigel Neal and it was done as, a, as a, the, the final episode, if you like. I think it was even advertised as Quatermass, the conclusion. And um, it takes place in a dystopian future where society is collapsing and there's this alien invasion going on, and all these hippies running around. It, I believe it was actually written in the late 60s, which is what explains why there's hippies running around, even though it was filmed in the late 70s. Um, but I remember as a kid, it really affected me. I found it really, really quite depressing and creepy and unnerving, uh, in a way that I don't think I'd experienced in, in something. I mean, I would have been about eleven or twelve when it was on TV, and um, yeah, it creeped me out massively. So I bought it on on to see whether it was as good as I remember it being. But I remember at the time thinking it was uh, it was really impressive for raising some quite interesting subjects, like you know things like I suppose when it was written, everyone was worrying about you know price of oil and the collapse of civilization and that kind of stuff. and I think it's still valid today. So I'll be interested to see what that's like. Anyone out there who remembers it, please write in.
0: (laughs) Right, moving on quickly, Steve. Right, before we get into the main subject, the new Spectre trailer was announced, launched, released, set into the world. Um, Got to say, mm, didn't really get me that excited. If I'm going to be honest.
3: I thought it looked great the nice physical stunts in there proper real stunts didn't give away too much plot whilst still in you know kind of enticing and teasing you um it looked like there was a bit of an old school bond villains lair in the background in one scene you had uh, christoph waltz who i assume is playing Blofeld, even though he denies it he bloody better be um no white cat yet but hopefully that'll be in at some point it just looked like a more of an old school bond movie to me um than, pre- than recent um Daniel Craig films have, you know, where it's been kind of a whole rebooting and a bit more like Born stuff. This looked more like a Bond film. And for me that and also there was a lot of overtones of Omagh's Secret Service in there too, which I really liked. Yeah, so I thought me, you see I I'm thought that, excited.
0: I, I thought they played too much on that. But there you go. I, I just it as Ed would say, and what would you say, Ed, about frocks and being blown up? Well
2: they're mm-hmm. just not blowing my frock up over much. No. Inadequate use of the word over much in life these days. What did you think? Um on the proviso that I, you know, I, 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 from, the, from the teaser, I was reasonably, I've been reasonably convinced that um, Spectre is going to be more my cup of tea than Skyfall. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping it'll be competent. I don't know, it, we're now sufficiently far into a serious Bond cycle that I could actually do with a Campy Bond film. You know, you always want the bond that's not being shown in the cinema at the time. You know, so when Roger Moore's eyebrowing it up, you think, can we have someone capable of taking this remotely seriously? And then we've got someone taking it remotely seriously. You think, actually, do you know what? I want someone to wear a ridiculous tux and then have a have a rocket pack. (laughs) And you know, so it 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 oscillates, and it it, it all looks jolly well produced and jolly serious, and it might now be time for something just a little sillier. I I
0: don't know if it was just if it's just a the whole skyfall thing you know it, it was it was at the time of the olympics it was a, a big push for the country everybody was feeling optimistic with the olympics and all the rest of it and um and and it broke box office records But when you go back to it it wasn't that great a film and loads of huge plot points
3: there's got some massive plot holes <laughs> in it actually now you think about it
0: <laughs> yeah i mean but but at the time i think there was that euphoria there was that feel good factor with it and all the rest of it I don't know with, with this one. I think the trailer was just a little bit too dark, and I don't mean like hard to see. I mean it was in tone, and I don't know whether that that's kind of putting me off because I'm, I'm expecting something a bit more along the lines of Skyfall.
1: See, I thought they had to keep the tone dark in that trailer because otherwise it it, it risks kind of falling too close towards the kind of camp bond of you know large criminal organisations and that kind of thing. It's very hard to kind of you know go down. a a long table with lots of bad guys all covered in shadows, and centre on this kind of, you know, this central figure or something, and not have it seem slightly absurd. You know, that big reveal moment, not to kind of fall into the Doctor Evil moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I went, I went lasers. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, can we? Be and also, when you this? hear his accent, it, you know. Stand, how do you do that well without kind of as it's been lampooned and th- those kind of figures have been you know spoofed so much you know I think they had to go for something slightly but, darker but,
0: but you see then uh, I, I know this kind of touches on one of the Pierce Brosnan films but then you, you have got organizations nowadays well, the likes of Google and Amazon massive massive organizations where you know m- maybe it's more relevant in in the times that we live in, that we have these massive, big organisations. Steve pointed to it at the start of the podcast, that they're following him around, they know exactly what he's doing and and when he's doing it.
2: Can we just be clear on this, though? If we are talking, I mean, whilst they are camper than the field of tents, I defy you not to, it's Stromberg's submersible Aqua Battle Palace, or whatever the hell he called it, and then Drax's space station. If you're going to have a Bond villain layer, you've got to go balls out, go big or go home and they, they really went with that. Uh, you know, I, I admired that. I thought that was, you know, I think that's quite... quite. But yeah, it,
0: it plays into the James Bond universe, and, and this is where we're going to move it on, because obviously, you know, Bond is not a spy in no, the traditional no. sense of it. He is, he's not a spy <laughs> at all. He's not a very good one of he is a spy. Has, has exactly. his cover been blown? <laughs> 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 and, and I think when you have the big camp, um, storylines and characters and, and bad guys and, and huge layers and all the rest of it. Yes, I know it's very Austin Powers, but that's what James Bond is. I mean, Austin Powers nailed it, I think, in tone and humour and exactly how things are in that universe. So why not celebrate the universe? Why, why try and move it to Far the other way and make it too realistic.
2: Are you saying that really uh, your your perception of specs will be much improved if at some point during the film he has to three point turn the Aston Martin in <laughs> a really, really, really narrow angle?
3: We, we at least should get a scene where he monologues for a long time, the villain, allowing Bond to thus escape from something an elaborate way of killing him while <laughs> <rather laughs> they're just putting a gun to his head and pointing the trigger. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you know, we, we take the make, but that's what makes a Bond film. When you say an old fashioned Bond film, that's what you that's what you're on about.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. That is true. Um, although, having uh, I mean, said that, if, if you watch the Magic Secret Service, which is probably the closest adaptation of an actual Fleming book, um, you know, it's a cracking, uh, and he goes he goes actually go undercover in it. So it's actually a bit more of a spy film in more in some aspects. It's a cracking adventure story, um, whereas. Ed's absolutely right. The 70s bonds, particularly the, sort of the golden period of the mid to late 70s um, with Roger Moore and the giant you know, bases underwater and in space and that sort of thing, which I absolutely loved as a kid. Um, obviously, we're in the realms of science fiction. Well, I'm not absolutely in the realm of science fiction by the time we got to Moon, Moonraker, but as is, I think, the case with Motion Impossible. If you watch those films, they're pretty much just sci-fi, aren't they, with like, they're, they're, they're masks and all the things that they use and the gadgets and stuff. It's, it's not really a spy film either. I think if you're going to look at a spy movie, you can go one of two ways you can go sort of action spy like born or you can go realistic spying like you take a soldier spy um i'm not sure how exciting realistic spying really is because in the real world of spies it's just grubby men doing grubby things in dark places
0: yeah although and, uh, although recently which, which,
2: which segues is the against <laughs> <laughs>
0: although I, I, I did watch that um a uh, documentary series that's on BBC Four at the minute about the spies and the Cold War and all the rest of it and fascinating stuff I mean the guy that got poisoned at the bus station at the bus stop um, and they oh, inject, injected the poison through his, his calf muscle from an umbrella and stuff like that and and, and yeah, three yeah, days yeah. later he's dead you know what I mean it's like yeah. sometimes the real life stuff's like wow really <laughs> you know but but it doesn't make good cinema
3: well it can, I suppose it can it, it just depends how you do it I think uh the stuff, reading Le Carre is great because, you know, you've got time to read a novel and you know, it's very in-depth and detailed. And obviously he's writing from a point of knowledge, so, so it's very realistic. I'm not sure how necessary why well, that always translates to the screen. Whereas Zero Dark Thirty, which, you know, again, I think is a, quite, is a justifiable spy film in the sense that, um, you know, you've got the CIA hunting for Bin Laden and, and it's very much based upon what really happened and the craft work involved and how you actually do spy on people and, and gain information and, and intelligence uh, that was really well done, I thought. Whereas, yeah. something like *The born Identity*, you know, is 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 kind of a spy film, but really it's just a action. Yeah, but if if, if you look
0: it. at the during that Giro, theory, if you look at the conspiracy theory, is that the Pakistanis basically built that house for him and, and put him in there, and knew where he was.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, I'd be staggered if Pakistani just didn't know that Bin Laden was living right next to an army base. <laughs> 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 But anyway, Argo. I mean, that's again is a similar kind of subject matter, isn't it? A real story based upon what? I mean, I mean, that's an amazing story with the idea of the CIA creating a fake movie to try and get people out of um, out of Iran and join the um, the hostage hostage crisis. Is, is you know, if you made it up as a film, people would go, oh, "That's ridiculous." But it, it actually happened. It genuinely, really happened. A fake sci-fi movie going to be shot in Iran.
0: Right. Uh, okay. We, we really need to wrap things up because we are all oh, well over time today. So. Um, we're talking about spy movies, we're talking about um, you know how realistic they are, all the rest I, I'm sure we all have our favourites. I mean, I've given away my favourites. My favourites are The Spoof, which is Austin Powers. I just think it nails it so, much, so well. The whole genre, the whole silliness of the whole thing. Um, but what about you guys? What's your favourite sort of spy movie?
2: Um, I do like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I, I like all adaptations of it, if I'm honest. It's, it, it holds up and it holds up um, extremely well. Um, and then I suppose the other one, mainly because I do absolutely love the book, but you know it's, it's been adapted reasonably well, is The Fourth Protocol. Thoroughly enjoy it. And I would count that as being espionage, if not active spying. I
1: think that's extremely good. Um, I know it didn't get uh, rave reviews, kind of mixed reviews, but I did very much enjoy The Good Shepherd. I thought mm. that was quite underrated.
3: I always really liked... I really liked Clear and Present Danger. thought that was a good adaptation. Um, gave you a nice insight into the war on drugs and the CIA you know, involvement in it. Um, I enjoy Enemy of the State just because it's a great action film. And I quite like Spy Game too, actually. Is that it? Oh, and sne- Sneakers. I love Sneakers. Ah, if anyone remembers that,
2: I don't. Um,
1: yeah.
3: Oh, sure yeah, Robert true. Redford. Um, Robert Redford, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And The Late River Phoenix, mm. among others. That, I think that's a great film. <laughs> So if you haven't seen Sneakers,
0: check it out. I, I have seen it. I just can't remember it. It's been such a long time. I'll probably have to see it again. Is it on Netflix, Steve?
3: I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be one, on one of the many streams services sure available I can, to I'm you. I'm
0: sure I can stream it. And there you go. Back full circle. We're back to where we began. And uh, that is it for the podcast this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. Apollo Creed versus Italian Stallion. Sounds like a damn monster movie. Mark Botwright.
1: Does my house stink?
0: <laughs> and Ed Selly.
2: You stop this fight, I'll kill you.
0: Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmarkavyforums.com for its reviews, news and video. Plus, why not leave us a rating on iTunes, but only Mark.
1: But only if you Mark it down at five stars.
0: Uh, I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next Wednesday. <laughs>